Chapter Eighteen of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reveals the Spy, the Twelfth, the Glorious Twelfth, had come and gone. The rush to the north had commenced from London, from Euston, Saint Pancras, and King's Cross. The night trains for Scotland had run in triplicate, crowded by men and gun cases and kit bags, while gloomy old Perth Station was a scene of unwanted activity each morning at glencardine there were little or no grouse therefore it was not until later that sir henry invited his usual party gabrielle had been south to visit one of her girlfriends near durham and the week of her absence her afflicted father had spent in dark loneliness for flockart had gone to london and her ladyship was away on a fortnight's visit to the pelhams down at new galloway on the last day of august however gabrielle returned being followed a few hours later by lady heyburn who had travelled up by way of stirling and creef junction while that same night eight men forming the shooting party arrived by the day express from the south the gathering was a merry one the guests were the same who came up there every year some of them friends of sir henry in the days of his brilliant career others friends of his wife the shooting at glencardine was always excellent and stuart wise and serious had prophesied first-class sport walter murray was in london while gabrielle had been at durham he had travelled up there spent the night at the three tons and met her next morning in that pretty wooded walk they called the banks devoted to her as he was he could not bear any long separation while she on her part was gratified by this attention not without some difficulty did she succeed in getting away from her friends to meet him for a provincial town is not like london and any stranger is always in the public eye but they spent a delightful couple of hours together strolling along the footpath through the meadows in the direction of finkel priory there was no eavesdroppers and he with his arm linked in hers repeated the story of his all-conquering love she listened in silence then raising her fine clear eyes to his said i know walter i know you love me and i love you also ah he sighed if you would only be frank with me dearest if you would only be as frank with me as i am with you sadly she shook her head but made no reply he saw that a shadow had clouded her brow that she still clung to her strange secret and at length when they retraced their steps back to the city he reluctantly took leave of her and half hour later was speeding south again towards york and king's cross the opening day of the partridge season proved bright and pleasant the men were out early and the ladies a gay party including gabrielle joined them at luncheon spread on a mossy bank about three miles from the castle several of the male guests were particularly attentive to the dainty sweet-faced girl whose charming manner and fresh beauty attracted them but gabrielle's heart was with walter always she loved him yes she told herself so a dozen times each day and yet was not the barrier between them insurmountable ah if he only knew if he only knew the blind man was left alone nearly the whole of, of that day his daughter had wanted to remain with him but he, he would not hear of it my dear child he had said you must go out and lunch you really must assist your mother in entertaining the people but dear dad i much prefer to remain with you and help she protested yesterday the professor sent you five more bronze matrices of ecclesiastical seals we haven't yet examined them we'll do so to-night dear he said 
you go out today i'll amuse myself all right perhaps i'll go for a little walk therefore the girl had against her inclination joined the luncheon party where foremost of all to have her little attentions was a rather foppish young stockbroker named girdlestone who had been up there shooting the previous year and had on that occasion flirted with her furiously during her absence her father tried to resume his knitting an occupation which he had long ago been compelled to resort to in order to employ his time but he soon put it down with a sigh rose and taking his soft brown felt hat and stout stick tapped his way through the great hall and out into the park he felt the warmth upon his cheek as he passed slowly along down the broad drive ah he murmured to himself if only i could once again see god's sunlight if i could only see the greenery of nature and the face of my darling child and he sighed brokenly and went on his chin sunk upon his breast a despairing hopeless man surely no figure more pathetic than this could be found in the whole of scotland upon him he had been showered honour great wealth all indeed that makes life worth living and yet deprived of sight he existed in that world of darkness deceived and plotted against by all about him his grey countenance was hard and thoughtful as he passed slowly along tapping the ground before him for he was thinking ever thinking of the declaration of his french visitor he had been betrayed but by whom his thoughts were wandering back to those days when he could see those well-remembered days when he had held the house in silence by his brilliant oratory and when the papers next day had leading articles concerning his speeches he recollected his time-mellowed old club in st james's street boodles of which he had been so fond then came his affliction the thought of it all struck him suddenly and clenching his hands he murmured some inarticulate words through his teeth they sounded strangely like a threat next instant however he laughed bitterly to himself the dry harsh laugh of a man into whose very soul the iron had entered in the distance he could hear the shots of his guests those men who accepted his hospitality and who among themselves agreed that he was a terrible bore poor old fellow they came up there with perhaps two exceptions to eat his dinners drink his choice wines and shoot his birds but begrudged him more than ten minutes or so of their company each day in the billiard-room of an evening as he sat upon one of the long lounges they would perhaps deign to chat with him but alas he knew that he was only as a wet blanket to his wife's guests hence he kept himself so much to the library his own domain that night he spent half an hour in the billiard-room in order to hear what sport they had had but very soon escaped and with gabrielle returned again to the library to fulfil his promise and examine the seal matrices which the professor had sent to where they sat came bursts of boisterous laughter and of the waltz music of the pianola in the hall for in the shooting season the echoes of the fine mansion were awakened by the merriment of as gay a crowd as any had assembled in the highlands sir henry heard it the sounds jarred upon his nerves mirth such as theirs was debarred him for ever and he had now become gloomy and misanthropic he sat fingering those big oval matrices of bronze listening to gabrielle's voice deciphering the inscriptions and explaining what was meant and what was possibly their history one which sir henry declared to be the gem of them all bore the manus day for the device 
and was the seal of archbishop richard eleven seventy four through eighty four several documents bearing impressions of this seal were he said preserved at canterbury and in the british museum but here the actual seal itself had come to light with all the enthusiasm of an expert he lingered over the matrix feeling it carefully with the tips of his fingers tracing the device with the nail of his forefinger splendid he declared the lettering is a most excellent specimen of early lombardic and then he gave the girl the titles of several works which she got down from the shelves and from which she read extracts after some careful search the sulphur casts sent with the matrices she placed carefully with her father's collection and during the remainder of the evening they were occupied in replying to several letters regarding estate matters at eleven o'clock she kissed her father good-night and passed out to the hall where the pianola was still going and where the merriment was still in full swing for a quarter of an hour she was compelled to remain with the insepid young ass bertie girdlestone a man who patronized musical comedy nightly and afterwards supped regularly at the savoy then she escaped at last to her room exchanging her pretty gown of turquoise chiffon for an easy wrap she took up a novel and switching on her green-shaded reading lamp sat down to enjoy a quiet hour before retiring quickly she became engrossed in the story and though the stable chimes sounded each half hour she remained undisturbed by them it was half-past two before she had reached the happy denouement of the book and closing it she rose to take off her trinkets having divested herself of bracelets rings and necklet she placed her hands to her ears there was only one earring the other was missing they were sapphires a present from walter on her last birthday he had sent them to her from yokohama and she greatly prized them therefore at risk of being seen in her dressing-gown by any of the male guests who might still be astir for she knew they always played billiards until very late she took off her little blue satin slippers and stole out along the corridor and down the broad staircase the place was in darkness but she turned on the light and again when she reached the hall she must have dropped her earring in the library of that she felt sure servants were so careless that if she left it it might easily be swept up in the morning and lost forever the thought had caused her to search for it at once as she approached the library door she thought she heard the sound of someone within on her opening the door however all was in darkness she laughed at her apprehension in an instant she touched the switch and the place became flooded with a soft mellow light from lamps cunningly concealed behind the bookcases against the wall at the same moment however she detected a movement behind one of the bookcases against which she stood with sudden resolution and fearlessness she stepped forward to ascertain its cause her eyes at that instant fell upon a sight which caused her to start and stand dumb with amazement straight before her the door of her father's safe stood open beside it startled at the sudden interruption stood a man in evening dress with a small electric lamp in his clenched hand a pair of dark evil eyes met hers in defiance the eyes of james flockhart you she gasped yes he laughed dryly don't be afraid it's only i but by jove how very charming you look in that gown i'd love to get a snapshot of you just as you stand now what are you doing here examining my father's papers she demanded quickly her small hands clenched my dear girl he replied with affected unconcern that's my own business you really ought to have been in bed long ago it isn't discreet you know to be down here with me at this hour 
I demand to know what you are doing here, she cried firmly. And my dear little girl, I refuse to tell you, was his decisive answer. Very well, then I shall alarm the house and explain to my father what I have discovered. End of chapter 18